Amen. Well, that sure was a blessing. I sure appreciate that. And uh, good singing. Brother, am I on there? All right. That sounds good then. Well, I sure appreciate it. I'll say this. It's good to see all these young people in the house of God tonight. Amen. Monday night, school week, and you didn't know, but you come to hear the longest-winded preacher you ever hear in your life uh, tonight. So it may be 10 o'clock before you get home tonight. But, uh, but I really, I really, I appreciate, I appreciate you young people being here. I appreciate your parents bringing them. And um, the most important places, the, the best times in your life will be in the house of God. I promise you that. Uh, great things uh, happen. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together, there I'll be in the midst. And that sounds like a good place to be. I want to be where the Lord's at. I want to be where the Lord's passing by. Amen. Uh, you read in the book of, the book of John. And some, uh, I believe it's John chapter number 9, says, And Jesus passed by, amen. And uh, when Jesus passes by, you just, you just uh, keep your eyes open. Uh, he, he's he's doing the work, and so I thank the Lord for that. Anybody else maybe tonight just want to brag on the Lord, thank the Lord, something on your heart? Brother, I appreciate that. You're right. We don't spend enough time of bragging on him, but maybe... Some, somebody got something special on your heart before we get started. I don't want to rush anything. We're just here to mind the Lord. Go ahead, brother. Amen. If not, I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew, excuse me, book of Matthew chapter number 7, Matthew chapter number 7, and I'll say again, like I said last night, um, I appreciate the opportunity to be here and don't take it lightly. And as I said last night, uh, what we're doing here is important. Amen. It's probably the most important thing that you've done today is uh, come to the house of God and hoping to hear from God, receive help. And um, I think a lot of times, uh, a lot of times we talk about revival, hear the word revival so many times, and you've been in church any length of time, been a Christian for any length of time, you've probably sat through many revivals. If, if your church, like most churches, usually about two revivals a year, and if you've been in church all your life, all your days, you've been through a lot, sometimes I think we say the word so much we forget the meaning of it. I wrote down the definition of the word revival. It means a return or a recall or a recovery to life from death or apparent death. A return or a recall to activity from a state of languor. A recall, return, or recovery from a state of neglect, oblivion, obscurity, or depression. And the fourth definition of the word revival means an awakening of men to their spiritual concerns. That's what revival is. Not just something that we do form and fashion. That's our hope and our prayer uh, through the week is that we could see revival uh, every revival is different, and we don't know what the Lord has in store, but um, just pray for us here tonight. I need your prayers very much tonight. Um, 
Matthew chapter number 7, verse number 21. I'll read about two verses of scripture and we'll go to the Lord in prayer. I'd like to ask you if you will stand with me as I read tonight. Matthew chapter number 7 and verse number 21. I want you to look at your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, I want you to find somebody near you with a Bible that maybe you can look on, share the pages of here tonight. The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's a powerful word. Amen. It's a preserved word. It's a powerful word. And so we look at Matthew chapter number 7, verse number 21. The Bible says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast, have cast out devils. And in thy name have done many wonderful works. And verse number 23, I want to call your attention to verse number 23. And then will I profess, now this is the Lord Jesus Christ talking here. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Let's go to the Lord in prayer again. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, God, for the day. Lord, another opportunity, God, just to stand, Lord. And I pray, God, that, Lord, that we'd receive help from heaven, Lord, because we need that, Lord, so much. I pray, Lord, that we could, Lord, just have the power and the Spirit of, of God, Lord, here tonight, Lord, moving in amongst us. And, Lord, I thank you, God. For everything that's been said and done, I thank you, Lord, for these songs that have been sung and uplifting and exalting. Lord, most importantly, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But, Lord, also talking about that blood. Lord, that blood, Lord, that saves us from sin. And, Lord, just as they sung the song, Lord, it's nothing but the blood. And, Lord, I just ask, God, Lord, that you would help us, God, to see the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, high and lifted up, just as Isaiah saw you. I pray, Lord, that in the service, Lord, here tonight... God, we would come, Lord, with all seriousness and soberness, Lord, and realizing, God, that the most important things, Lord, in our life are the spiritual things, Lord, our spiritual, as we read the definition of revival, is awakening of men to their con uh, spiritual concerns. And, God, we realize that in the day and time that we're living in, God, it seems like a lot of people just sleepwalking in the, in the day and time. Lord, I just ask, God, that our eyes will be open and our our, our, our minds and our, our spirits, Lord, and Lord, you just deal and touch with hearts, Lord, as only you can. I pray, God, that you just help us, God, to be a seed sower, Lord, here tonight. And Lord, I pray, God, that you give great increase, Lord, to it. I, I, I pray, Lord, it just be, Lord, as we said last night, just as John the Baptist uh, prayed and said, God, that we would decrease, but you would increase. And God, I pray, Lord, you give the increase, Lord, to your word. Tonight, Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, that it's still quick and sharp and powerful. And, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for the saving power and, 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 and the grace and the mercy, Lord, that's still available today. And Lord, I just ask, God, that you would help us, Lord, each and everything that's said and done here tonight, Lord, that it be, Lord, to honor and glorify you, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated, and I appreciate you standing tonight. There are three portions of scripture that stand out in my mind as being the scariest 
portions of Scripture. I, I, I would just put them in this category. This is what I wrote down, that they're the most sobering portions of Scripture. They're the, most, they're the scariest portions of Scripture. They're the most serious portions of Scripture. And they're some of the saddest portions of Scripture that you'll read in the Bible. There's three that stand out in my mind. One of them being in the text that we read tonight in Matthew chapter number 7. As the Lord professes unto these that profess unto him that, that they thought that they knew him. But he professes unto them in verse number 23. Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Those are some of the saddest words, the saddest account that you'll ever find in your Bible. I was thinking also, if you want to turn over to Luke chapter number 16. Luke chapter number 16. And the Bible gives us a bird's eye view into a place called hell. Luke chapter number 16 gives us the account and the story of the rich man and Lazarus. It gives us a direct look and a direct view into a place called hell. Now let me say this in the day and time that we're living in that there's not many people like to talk about hell. There's not many people like to preach about hell. In the day and time that we're living in, hell's just a byword to most people. You'll find it in about every country song, about every rock and roll song, or maybe even rap song. You'll turn on the TV and used to be that you might... Uh, see it in the bad movies, now you see it in the commercials and the advertisements, all these different things. I don't know if uh, you keep up uh, with, with news much. I said last night I don't watch news much, but I did come across a, a, a news clipping of Ron Reagan, the son of President Ronald Reagan. Did you see that? It was, it was during the clown show that they aired that. The clown show was the Democratic uh, debate that they had the other night. But they aired the commercial of Ron Reagan, the son of President Ronald Reagan. And Ronald Reagan, I don't know the man's heart, but he is the president, if I'm not mistaken, that said a nation that forgets that they're a nation under God is, will be a nation gone under. He's that same president. This was his son. His advertisement for the Freedom from Religion Foundation. And he says that he's an, un, an unabashed, which means that he is, a, he is a, a proud, or he's not ashamed of the fact that he is a, a atheist and agnostic. Well, that's a contradiction in itself because they believe two different things. So he really don't even know what he is. But at the end of that commercial, it was chilling to me that he signs off the commercial, I guess what you'd say, in the promotion. He, he even goes on. It, it's really comical. Uh, it's not comical. It's really sad. But it is, uh, I guess, just, just kind of, it shows us how stupid people are. But he said that, you know, the Freedom From Religion Foundation, what they do is their main purpose is to keep the state and the church separate and he makes a big smile and he says, just as our founding fathers meant for it to be. Well, I'd like to tell him that the founding fathers of this country, the principles and the laws of this country are biblical principles. And if you want to thank somebody for the freedom of religion, not the freedom from religion, 
but the freedom of religion. You're to think a Baptist if you study it out long enough and hard enough and look back in through there. It's the Baptist people that fought for the freedom of religion. But going on, he signs off the commercial and he makes this statement. He says, I'm Ronald Reagan, not afraid. Now get, get a hold of this. Not afraid of burning in hell. That's the world in 2019. And listen, what he did, it, it was, Brother Joe, it was honestly chilling to hear somebody say that. But he just said what a whole lot of people in this world are thinking, that they're not afraid of burning in hell. It's a byword. It's a joke to them. It's a fictitious place to them. But I'm telling you, the Bible and the Word of God gives us the proof and the fact and the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, words written in red in Luke chapter number 16, He gives us a warning of a place that is called hell. Amen. An awful place. I guess the best way to sum up a place called hell is hell's just hell. That's what it is. It's eternal. It's excruciating. And the Bible says hell hath enlarged itself. In fact, in the, in the, the text, uh, uh, back before the text of what we read over in Matthew, the Bible says in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. The Bible clearly says this. There's more people going to hell than there is heaven. Amen. That's what it says. That there's few that find the straight and the narrow and the right way, and the only way. But there's many that's looking for a broad way today. There's many that's wanting to go their own way. Listen, we live in a world where people are teaching their young people and pe teaching everybody, you're your own God. You just do what you want to do. Ron Reagan, he said there the other night in the commercial, he said what a lot of people are thinking. But one of the scariest portions of Scripture that I find is Luke chapter number 16. You know what? We read of a man that said basically the same thing that old Ron Reagan saying in 2019. He said, I'm not afraid of burning in hell. We find a rich man that is in hell. And the Bible says in Luke chapter number 16 and verse number 23, and in hell... He lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And sent Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Now you think about how many years ago it is that the rich man ended up in hell, that he's still in hell and he's still burning and he's still thinking and he's still seeing and he's still crying out. That's what hell is. 
It's a place where the worm, the Bible says, the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. It is a place, the Bible tells us, it is a place where there is weeping and there is wailing and there is gnashing of teeth. Let me say this, you don't want any part of hell. Nobody in their right mind would sit here and say to themselves tonight, well, that sounds like a place I'd want to be. You don't want to go to the place called hell. And I'm thankful for this as they sung the songs over here. I'm thankful that there's one that made the way. There's one that did, he didn't make a way, he made the way, amen. And he made the way. He died on the cross and he shed his life's blood. And he gave us a way that we may be saved, that we may be saved from a place called hell. But I look, Brother Chad, every time I read and look at Luke chapter number 16. Oh, you can, it's just as I can feel it here tonight. There's a sense of soberness and seriousness. We ain't going to shout it out tonight over reading Luke chapter number 16 because it's some of the saddest scripture that you ever find. I think about Matthew 7, Luke chapter number 16. But then the third place I think of, I think of Revelation chapter number 20 and a scene in a bird's eye view at the great white throne judgment. At the great white throne judgment in verse number 11, John said, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. No place found for the people that we see at the great white throne judgment. And I saw the dead and the small and the great Stand before God. Amen. Every one of us is going to stand before God one day and give an account. But these at the great white throne judgment, they stand before God with no hope. And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead. Listen, this isn't fairy tale stuff. This is going to happen one day. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And the death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. In verse number 15, I want you to look at verse number 15 with me if you have your Bibles. In Revelation chapter number 20, verse number 15 says, And whosoever, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into a lake of fire. That's serious business. That uh, Brother Conley, that's, that's scripture that I read and that's sad to me that one of these days, Brother Joe, that all the wicked dead and all those that have died and been in hell, listen, their only relief from hell is when they're going to stand at the great white throne judgment and they're going to stand before God. And what we read and what we read in Matthew chapter number 7, I believe with all my heart, is a bird's eye view into the great white throne judgment 
when those that thought that they knew the Lord are going to stand before him and brother Chad they're going to argue with him and they're going to say Lord, Lord have we not prophesied in thy name Lord, Lord have we not done many wonderful works in your name and they're going to argue and they're going to argue and listen he's going to have the books opened up brother Joe and he's going to show them every opportunity that they ever had to be saved Every time that every time that he stopped, he come by and he knocked on their heart's door, he's going to have that recorded in in a, in a in a book, amen. And then he's going to look over in the Lamb's Book of Life and he's going to say, "Your name's not recorded." in the Lamb's book of life. If there's one place tonight, young people, that you want to make sure that you have your name, it's written in the Lamb's book of life. Because if your name's written down in the Lamb's book of life, you're not going to hell, amen. You don't want any place, anything of the place called hell. Wrote these three things down. Modern translations, modern theology, And modern thinking don't like to talk about hell. If you know something about your King James Bible, you'll find the word hell. Brother Keith, you'll find it 54 times in your King James Bible. Every other translation removes the word hell Back down to where you only see the word hell 13 and 14 times. Why in the world? Listen, why in the world? The Lord Jesus Christ said more and warned more about a place called hell than he did heaven. And he talked more. Listen, at the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking to his disciples at the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter number 7. And he's saying, and he's warning even his very disciples. He said, many's going to come to me. And they're going to say, Lord, Lord. All these different things. In Luke chapter number 16, he's given the account of the rich man and Lazarus. And he's telling the folks as he's speaking, listen, there's a place called hell And there's a rich man there and he's been there and he's crying. And listen, even the rich man, even the rich man being in hell, what did he say? He said, hey, would you send Lazarus that he may tell my brother. Listen, even the cries from hell tonight are screaming and crying out that listen, that nobody would want anything in this place called hell. That's how serious it is. You might talk and you might run into people. People get hooked on dope and drugs and alcohol and just out of their mind and they'll say, well, I'm going to party in hell. I'm going to have a good time in hell. I'm going to do this and that. And my buddies, we're going to do this and that in hell. I'm telling you, there ain't no party in hell. There ain't no good time in hell. All it is is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth and eternal torment forever and ever and ever. That's how serious it is. One man said this. Any man preaching, you preachers know what I'm talking about. Any man preaching on hell, he better do it with a tear in his eye and a tremble in his heart. Now I'm telling you what, if you could come up here and feel my heart right now about to beat out of my chest, 
I'm telling you, listen, just as the Lord Jesus Christ did, I'm trying to warn you, listen, there's a place called hell. If you don't get right with the Lord Jesus Christ and call on his name and ask him to save you, you're going to end up in that place called hell. You say, preacher, I'll get it right. Somewhere down the road, there's a lot of people said that before. I'll get it right when I get older. I'll get it right when I, when I do this and when I, when I settle down, after I get through sowing my white oats, I'll, 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 get, I'll get things. Listen, that's what the devil wants you to do. Just push it aside and push it aside and push it aside. And listen, you'll, be, you'll end up like old Ron Reagan is now. You'll say, I'm not afraid of burning in hell. I don't believe anything of it. But Luke chapter number 16, I believe is a picture, talking about the rich man, is a picture of those who never thought about knowing the Lord. I see the rich man as one, listen, he was rich and increased with goods and had need of nothing, and I don't believe it even crossed his mind anything about needing the Lord Jesus Christ in his life. He had everything that money could buy. The Bible says that he fared sumptuously. He had everything you could ever dream of in this life. It's a picture to me of those that never thought about knowing the Lord. Matthew chapter number 7 to me is a picture of those who thought they did know the Lord. And that's what I really want to dwell on tonight is in Matthew chapter number 7 what's concerning to me is this group of people that's standing at the great white throne judgment and they're standing before the Lord, Brother Keith, and they're saying, Lord, Lord, have we not done this? And have we not done that? And have we not done this? And the Lord himself looks at them and he says, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I, ne- I will profess unto them, I never knew you that's interesting he's talking he's talking to a group of people that thought they knew him brother Keith honestly in their heart of hearts they thought that they had done the Lord's work and then they they knew the Lord Jesus and they said Lord they, they, they almost, they're arguing with him. They say, Lord, we knew you. But he said, I never knew you. So there's a big difference. You can know all about Jesus. You can know he is born of a virgin. And you can know he lived a sinless life. And you can know that he walked up a hill called Calvary. And you can know that he was crucified. And you can know that he rose on the third day. And still yet not know him. The Bible says this. Even the devils. Some people say, well, I know God. I know Jesus. The Bible says even the devils believe and tremble. I think so often in my mind, Brother Chad, of Judas Iscariot. Here's a man who walked with him, talked with him, Brother Joe. He saw every miracle. He heard every word. 
He was seated as he broke bread with them at the Lord's Supper. He was there as the Lord Jesus even washed his feet. And Judas, as the song says, he kissed the door to heaven and went to hell. That's how serious this thing of knowing that you know that you know in your heart. Knowing a place and time in your life when you've been saved and been born again. I want to give you a few things about this group of people. This crowd that we see in Matthew chapter number 7. In this crowd of those that the Lord looks at, Brother Conlin says, I never knew you. In this crowd will be a group of false teachers and false preachers that thought that they knew the Lord. Every Sunday and every Wednesday, they put on their suit and put on their tie, or as all these modern preachers do now, they put on their tight shirt that show off their muscles and their ripped jeans that show off their hairy legs. But in that crowd, in that listen, you don't think that every preacher that you see is a preacher, do you? I mean, there's some people out there that's standing in pulpits probably in this community, probably in this county. I know in my county, you turn on the television, you see your Osteens, and you see your Elevation Church down there in Charlotte, and old, old uh, Furick and all that stuff, and all that mess. Listen, you don't think that they're the Lord's preachers, do you? Because they're not. Amen. They're not doing the Lord's work. They ain't preaching the same stuff that we're preaching. They're telling people, listen, it don't matter how you believe. Osteen himself said, well, he can't judge anybody that says that there might be another way. Well, how can you deny John 14 and 6 when the Lord Jesus Christ said himself, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. In this crowd, I'm telling you, in this crowd that the Lord's talking to in Matthew chapter number 7, there's going to be a lot of preachers standing in that crowd. They say, Judas himself, a disciple, an apostle of the Lord Jesus, one of the twelve, he'll be in that crowd. In fact, if you study it out, listen, them disciples, they were preachers. They had powers to cast out demons. Do you not think Judas is going to say, hey, wait just a minute. In thy name did I not cast out many devils? But he's going to look at him and say, I never knew you. I never knew you. Can you imagine the the conversation between Judas and the Lord at the great white throne judgment. And can you imagine the conversation as he said, Lord, I knew you. And Lord, I seen with my own eyes what you did here. And I heard with my own ears what you did here. And I seen you save this bunch of people. And I seen you save that bunch of people. And I seen you do this miracle. I saw you raise people from the dead. I saw you feed 5,000 with my own eyes. Lord, I knew you. And Jesus Christ himself looks at him and says, 
I never knew you. Be a group of preachers that thought and said that they knew the Lord. There will be in that crowd a group that is given of their time and of their talents and even of their tithes and thought and said that they knew the Lord. And that, and that crowd, those that stand and try to plead with the Lord and try to convince Him that they knew Him, there'll be a group of those that were baptized as infants. They had told all their lives. That's what the Catholic Church does. Baptize them as infants. You're all right. You're Catholic. You was baptized. You're in the family of God. There's going to be a whole lot of people that's been told all their life is all right because they've been baptized in that group. There'll be those that repeated a prayer standing in that group. If there's anything that's sweeping our churches today, it's the repeat after me junk. And I'm telling you this, that's sending multitudes to hell thinking that they're going to heaven. One preacher said it like this, we're so starved, we're so starved for converts that we'll even pray the prayer for them now. In the day and time that we're living in, people stand up and they say, now if you repeat this prayer and you really mean it in your heart, what I'm going to do, I'm going to pray like I'm lost again. Well, I can't do that. I'm going to pray like I'm lost again. And I'm going to say all these things and you just repeat those things and if you repeat those things and you say those things and you say the right words and all these different things, you'll be saved too. But let me say this, God didn't say repeat, He said repent, amen? He didn't say anything about repeating a prayer to be saved. He just said that men would humble themselves and pray and call on the Lord and repent of their sins. Amen. That's the Lord's salvation. But we're, we're in a land. We're in a church age. Where people are so starved. The sinner don't even have to say his own prayer. To call out on the Lord. There will be people in that crowd. That's been told because they repeated a prayer. That they're all right. And it's not right. It's not right. It's not biblical. Think about those. A lot of other denominations use confirmation classes. My sister-in-law, she, she grew up in another denomination church. And she was telling it telling us how it was, and she's even got nephews and different family members still in it. And basically at a certain age, like if these, these youngins, these boys back here, and they're, let's say they're 12, 13 years old, they'll put them in confirmation classes. Basically you don't come out of confirmation classes until you make a profession. That's what it is. And for anybody that's any kind of a kid like I was, a whole lot rather 
be a hunting or a fishing or something like that than having to go to confirmation classes. So you know what I'll do? I'll just tell them whatever they want to hear. Go and they'll baptize me in the river and I can go on about and do what I want. I can play my ball and I can, I can hunt and fish and do all that stuff that I really want to do. That's, what's, that's what we're dealing with, preachers, in 2019. In this crowd, there'll be that group that made a profession. They were baptized. They joined the church. And they thought they knew the Lord. In this crowd, there'll be the young man and the young woman who sat through Sunday school lessons, Bible school lessons, sat under sound doctrinal preaching, and thought that they knew the Lord. There will be those who were told they were saved. I'm thankful for what I have inside my heart. I don't have to listen to somebody else tell me I'm all right. Or assure me that I'm all right, Brother Keith. I got something down there. I said it last night. I know salvation's on faith and not on feelings. But I'm glad I got something I can feel. When somebody starts singing a song about the blood and about the cross, now I, I, I can feel a tug right in here somewhere. I, I can feel that taking hold right in here somewhere. I don't have to have somebody tell me I'm all right. But you know how many times I've heard parents reassure their kids, oh, you're all right. You're okay. It's not right. In this crowd, there'll be those that were told they were saved. Those that thought they were saved. And those that even talked about being saved. You know how I know this crowd's so good? Because I was one of them. I know it frontwards and backwards. I was one of them. I went to an altar when I was seven, eight years old. Nobody did anything out of the way to me. Nobody pressured me into anything. Nobody told me to repeat anything. I went up to an altar. My granddaddy, my granddaddy was just a, a great man, great spiritual man. But he just put his arm on me. And he said, he said Daniel, did you get saved? And I said, yeah, I did. And uh, so say that you're saved and get baptized and join the church. I was a assistant superintendent. My wife's grandpa was the preacher. I was assistant superintendent. I was assistant lady Sunday school class teacher. Faithful to church. Tithe to the church. Faithful to revival meetings. All those different things. But you know what? Something just wasn't right in here. Nobody did. Let me, let me say this. I ain't trying to say anything. Make it, I, I ain't here to make anybody doubt. I'm trying to make sure that you know that you know that you know. That you're sure. That you're sure of it. Because I promise you this. If somebody as feeble minded as me can make you doubt. 
I can only imagine what the devil does to you on a day-to-day basis. There's something you better nail down, better nail down good. And that's your profession of faith. And that, that's when the Lord spoke to you. And that's when you called on the Lord. That's something you better nail down and nail down good. Because I promise you this, the devil will whisper in your ear, if not every day, every minute of every hour, you're not all right. I'm afraid that in today's time, people in churches just like ours, fundamental, King James Bible preaching, we're so educated in our heads. We're educated in our heads. I'm afraid that there's too many empty hearts on the pews. I know this, you say, preacher, this sure ain't revival preaching. Oh, it is. I promise you it is. It is revival preaching. Revival is an awakening to men's spiritual concerns. Listen, I know this about the day I got saved. The day I got saved, I wasn't concerned about missing heaven. Brother Keith, I was concerned, I was, I was broke over the fact I was headed to hell. If I didn't do something, do it quick. I was 30 years old, married, two kids, one on the way. Held all those positions in the church, all that stuff. But I tell you what, I can take you to the, the place where God broke my heart and said, son, you're just a faker. You're just faking your way. You're talking the talk, walking the walk. And I, I'm ashamed to say it. And, and, I, and I, I worked. We did a lot of work around Brother Keith. And probably back in the days when, when I was working for Junior and, and we were subbing off of Dan Woody, I probably said, I know, I said a lot of things I shouldn't say. And I did a lot of things I shouldn't have done. And all the time, all the while, professing to be a Christian, I was going to church on Sunday now, I was going to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night. Not only was I going to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night, I was going on Wednesday night too. Like I said, I was going, but it didn't mean I was saved. I'm telling you what, the Lord come to my, by my way. The Lord passed by my way and convicted me. So I ask you this. You say, preacher, you told us every bad thing that we could ever hear. Every. But let me ask you this. I believe, I believe this is important. You yourself, your profession. First of all, I'm going to ask you three questions. First of all, was there conviction? A man has to realize that he's lost before he can ever get saved. And let me say this about the work of salvation. You know, youngins, well, I'll just ask everybody. You know how, you know how Jesus was put into Mary as a baby? What did it say? It says the Holy Ghost overshadowed her. You know how you get Jesus inside of you? 
It's a work of the Holy Ghost. People say, people say this, I went and I found Jesus, or I found God, I don't believe it. He found me. He knocked on my heart's door. And he did a work in my life. I'm just thankful. I'm thankful that God give me another chance. God give me another opportunity that he might come by my way. Was there conviction? Did you realize that you was lost? Did you realize you was a sinner? Listen, the Lord Jesus said himself, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's who, he's, that's who, that's who he can help. Let me, let me say this tonight. If you're here and you're lost, I've told you everything about bad about hell. But I got good news for you. If the Lord's dealing with your heart tonight and you realize and he's knocking on your heart's door and, and, and you know inside of him he's saying you realize in your heart that you're a sinner and you've never been saved. Things ain't right inside of your heart. The best news I got for you is listen, Jesus still saves. Amen. He still saves. Was there conviction? My second question is this. Was there a calling? The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call, not repeat, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall, amen, shall be saved. Did you call on him out of a repentant heart let me say this because this gets a lot of people tripped up some people come to me and maybe you've heard maybe you preachers heard this preacher I don't know if I said the right thing I don't know if I said the right thing I've also had people come to me and say well I, I said I said the sinner's prayer well, I, don't, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible but listen God looks on the heart I remember the morning I got saved, Brother Chad, on the left-hand side of the pulpit up there at Calvary. Brother Joe, all I remember doing is falling to my knees and saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I know without a shadow of doubt, listen, I didn't say any eloquent thing of, of great big words, great big swelling words, and all these different things that people try to get people to repeat into and all that. I didn't say anything. Listen, God already knew my heart. I believe God saved me before I ever made it to the altar. Before I ever got on a bended knee and ever said anything. It was my heart. Listen, it was my wicked, undone heart that was calling out on the Lord. Calling. Thirdly, was there a change? I still believe and I still preach in a change in salvation. Was there a change? Now I'm not talking about was there firework blast and all these different things, but a change of heart. I remember when I got saved. Oh, the people that I used to not love, I had a burden for. When I got saved, no, I got to thinking about I got to think about all them people I've been working around professing to be a Christian, not talking like a Christian, not acting like a Christian. 
I got to think about all those people and as many as I could think of. I tried to text and call and tell them what the Lord had done in my life that morning that the Lord saved me, 30-year-old man. That God had saved me. I didn't put all that on myself. What that was is a change in my heart. Listen, then I was sorry over sin. These people that claim to be saved and, and say that they can go out and drink and smoke and run around and all these different things, I don't believe a word of it because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of me and He's Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if I do those things and look at those things, there's a matter of conviction that comes in my heart and that's a proof to me to know that I've been saved. Sin bothers me now. Does sin bother you? Does it bother you? Does, does the Holy Spirit of God convict you when you say you when you say something that you shouldn't? Or go somewhere you ought not go? Or look at something you ought not look at? Is there a Holy Spirit? Listen, if the Holy Spirit of God isn't present, listen, I know it can be grieved and I know it can be quenched and all these different things, but if the Holy Spirit of God has, has no residence inside of your life, you're not saved, you're just living on a profession, not a possession. And then lastly, my fourth thing, and I'm done, is their confidence. Is there confidence in it? Amen. I'm thankful that I got something. I can get, it's by faith. It's a confident thing. Not a proud thing, but a confident thing. You can try to argue with me upside. Brother Tad, if you tried to tell me I was lost 500 times, I'd just smile you right in the face and say, No, I'm not. I know what happened on May 1st, 2011. You wasn't there. And I know what took place in my heart. There's a confidence in it. A firm foundation that we have. Listen, the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope and our trust is put in Him and Him only. Is there confidence? I wouldn't want you to leave the place tonight. And this is how most pe a lot of people live. I think so. I think I'm all right. I think I'm all right. Are you, are you willing to risk all eternity on a I think so salvation? Or there's a, well, I hope so. I, sh I sure hope. I've done everything right. Are, are you willing to die? You willing? Listen, about got run over about 500 times today. I've been to Creston. We went and worked at Creston. Come back to Bethel. Been to Boone. Or if you go to Boone, you're just lucky to get out of there alive. Been, been to Creston, to Boone, Sugar Grove, over here to Ash County. You know what was separating me from death? Two yellow lines. That's it. Are you willing to go out here on the road? 
and risk all, all eternity on I hope so? I'm thankful for a word that gives you a, I know so. I know it. That's the confidence. Brother Keith, when listen, somebody, and, and, and the devil, listen, he's still yet going to bother you. And he's still yet, I'm not one of these that say, if you ever doubt, you're lost. I'm not saying that. Listen, there's great men in the Bible that doubted. John the Baptist, ain't none greater than John the Baptist. He had moments of doubt. But you know what the Lord did? The Lord sent him some word. He said, you go tell old John that the blind see and the deaf hear and the lame walk and to the, to the poor the gospel's preached. And I believe John went to the chopping block with a smile on his face, Brother Keith, a knowing in whom he had believed. And he is persuaded that he is able to keep that that I've committed unto him against that day. Amen. That's the confidence. Not saying that you're never going down. What I'm saying is, do you have confidence in your profession? Heads bowed and eyes closed. Sister, would you come piano and play a song invitation? Just whatever the Lord lays on your heart. I've tried my best.